Spring training 2024 is almost here, but before we can look ahead, we've still got two more positions to look back at from 2023. And today is a lucky day. It is the bullpen and the Guardians bullpen in 2023 did everyone's favorite thing. You thought you could count on it. And just when you trusted it, it blew up. You are locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, before we get into the big positional review and bullpen uh here's our quick note on the whole amazon thing basically amazon as of now changes nothing for cleveland cleveland is one of the three teams in a weird situation cleveland the twins and the rangers where diamond has kind of said you'll take our offer and you'll like it or we'll cut you loose or in the twins case they're already cut loose so cleveland i know a lot of people are talking about cleveland's not currently set to be streamed by amazon there is probably not will be streamed by amazon and this probably doesn't help cleveland at all so uh i could spend a whole show talking about the terrible nature of how rsns are bought and it's the same reason that toys are us and kb toys don't exist anymore is the model that was used here we don't have time for that today maybe i'll do it on my personal youtube but it's it's really sinclair media doing shysty things for a very long time uh now that we have that out of the way who owned diamond that's what i'm saying that before i get myself in trouble uh, we're going to talk, uh, about a bullpen that had, uh, some, some ups and downs and some shysty moments to stick with that language this year. They sure did. Yeah. I don't know what was worse. Like what's worse. The, uh, TV situation or the guardians bullpen. The guardians bullpen was at least good for one half in 2023 yeah, ended middle of the pack. Yeah. It, it, it was a struggle to get there. Truthfully. I mean, I don't know. The numbers were just very weird, right? Like it was overall, the numbers were fine, but you definitely, when you watch them, you didn't feel like they were fine because every other week, Emmanuel Classe was blowing a save and Trevor Steffen was walking the bases loaded. Just a very weird situation. And, and a good reason why you can never really count on bullpens year to year. Like I can remember how good Cleveland's bullpen was in 2005 and 2006. It was abysmal. And it, 07, it was great. And then in 08, I don't know if they were really bad, but I know I remember Raphael Betancourt and Raphael Perez were both disasters. Raphael lefty, so, righty left, righty. Yeah, they were they were like ev- good every other For, year. And that's kind of how bullpens. Oh, Betancourt to. was good every year. I mean, look, until he fell apart, he was really good go, every year. Go like, look at the 2008 season. It was not good. No, it was not. But you look at the ones before that. Like he was a guy who was reliable and I think he was bad in 06 too I think he was he was good 05 he was good 07 it was the it was even numbered years he was not good um Rafi Lefty was an interesting guy because there was a period where for a while there he was the only player who had gotten to the major leagues who they'd signed out of Latin America there was this big gap where they hadn't gotten anyone for a long time and he was the last player that they had done that with uh and then I mean it was a big I'm trying to remember who broke that gap because that's something I wrote about was how little they got from all their international signings very long time but yeah well, let's start with class a from last year obviously the, the big note here there was actually a really good article recently on fan graphs 
talking about how strange things were for Emmanuel Classe last year. And essentially it was uh, Davey Andrews who wrote it. And some of the points he, he really found were made a lot of sense. I mean, there was a massive jump in his average on balls in play. And, you know, so it was 222 in 2022. It was 295 in 2023. And 295 is not egregious in terms of bad luck. But also saying that, remember that pitchers can control. I can't say control. They have an impact on their own average on balls in play because you can suppress average on balls in play with the kind of stuff you have. And so pitchers have some control over that, but also defense matters. And how many times last year did we watch Emmanuel Classe get beat because there was some weird ground ball that found its way into the outfield or some infield hit that nobody could get to. I, I feel like that happened a lot last year. So that contributes to that as well. But he also found that, you know, hitters were chasing class A stuff a little bit less. Something that had to do with lack of control. Uh, velocity backed up a little bit, but nothing where you could say like you're alarmed by it. And he pointed out like the vertical release point change for class A, uh, which, you know, can impact obviously mechanics and stuff and, and can give hitters, maybe he's tipping his pitches a little bit. I don't know. The only thing I can really go to on class A on, on all this stuff, like if you, if you point to all the data that this writer put together and you look at all the stuff that change. If you're watching on YouTube, I have the, the stats um, in 2023, and then in parentheses, 2022. He had the same amount of innings pitched the last two years, by the way. Um, so you could say it's overuse, but at the same time, I guess those things can back up year to year when you stack them on top of each other. Uh, the thing I just go back to is the difference in the pitch clock thing for him. Is He was one of the slowest pitchers in baseball between pitches, right? He was... With the bases empty, he took 22 seconds in 2022. This year, he took 16 seconds because you had to. And with the bait runners on in 2022, he took 26 seconds. And with runners on this year, it was 17 seconds. So, you know, it's about eight seconds sooner for him over the last two years, whether runners are on or not. And we know that pitchers with high velocities, especially relievers, will take their time between pitches. That's how they're able to ramp back up. Speeding him up, you know, maybe it messed up his mechanics with the vertical release point, the control, the velocity at some point. I, I just kind of wonder how much of an impact the pitch clock had on his entire season trying to adjust to that because he was one of the slowest tempo pitchers previously. And I, I that's the best data point I can point back to uh, as far as all this ad- adding up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting because we know with a lot of pitchers when release points slip and this happens that it always leads to bad things. So I thought that article was really interesting. And yeah, could the release point be slipping because he's trying to rush things? Absolutely. Uh, The bigger concern is why they couldn't work with him to adjust it. Like, you know, why this was an issue that got worse. I mean, they're typically really good with things like this. So I'm not going to like say... It could be why there's a new bullpen. I mean... Uh, you look at this team, it's like the bullpen was middle of the pack by the end of the year. The year before, they were really high in the rankings, and you know they lost their bullpen coach. They got a new bullpen coach last year. He lasted one year. <laughs> and I and I liked it. was it was uh, I like Rigo. Rigo Dutchrat. I liked Rigo. Yeah. I like Rigo, I, too, but they didn't. County. They clearly didn't. They clearly, I mean, when you let a guy go after one year who's been with, they didn't let, they let, uh, they let Tito's friend go who was the uh, coordinating guy and they let Rigo Beltran go. And that was essentially it. So, and, and Rigo had been here for forever. So Finally it spoke volumes him. that, 
you know, win all and of these. And promoted a guy who has been in the system for two years to that role. Yeah. Brad yeah, Goldberg. So, not that he doesn't deserve it, but no, but they it's not, yeah, you're right. It's not like they went though we had heard maybe some other people were interviewing him to get on major league staffs. So there's also that pressure. But I think, you know, Stefan's issues, Class A's issues, the fact that Eli Morgan fell apart in the second half again, the second year, that so many players, no adjustments were made and just struggled. Um, 99, you know, was it, maybe they think that someone else can work with him. Maybe that's why he's still here, is that in spite of the issues in AAA, even that they they think that maybe a fresh set of eyes can help. But yeah, they the bullpen, there was a lack of adjustments. I think that was specifically without getting never. And it's like Class A, the pitch clock was hard, though he did have experience within the minors. He's not old enough that he didn't have to deal with it. Um, it's true. So he, you know, it, it, this is one of those situations where I do wonder about coaching and I do wonder adjustments and whether things they can do a year later to help pitchers even be better prepared now. But he, the last four years he has pitched without it. So even though you have experience with the minors, you know, he obviously didn't pitch in 2020, but 2019 he was down in the minors for a little bit. But 2021, 2022, and 2023, three straight years in the majors without the pitch clock. Or I'm sorry, 2021, 2022, 2023, you obviously would have pitched the pitch clock. So, I don't know. You just kind of let that part slip, I suppose. Like, you forget. <clears throat> you know, it's not like you're doing it every single – every time out. And then, I don't know how much overuse – you know, it, he did pitch 75 games, 77 games the year before. Not to mention two rounds of the playoffs that he pitched in. So you wonder how that that factors in as well. Um, I'm not overly alarmed at this point with anything on Class A, but you know, I definitely can't say that I'm not. <laughs> I'm not looking at 2024 and wondering. Like I, I definitely feel a little less confident going into 2024 than I did going into 2023. But do you think it was a fluke in 2023, or do you think that you know Class A is already trending down at age 26? Or 25, only 26 in March. I do worry about overuse. Tito burns arms. Um, I mean, he is his time here. His, I mean, it, there were so many moments even last year. Where I'm like, th there's no reason to pull class A here. Like, let the guy's arm. And we saw Cody Allen be a dead arm before he turned 30. And we saw, you know, Andrew Miller. And if you want to, you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of views on Tito. Uh, most people love him. Some really dislike him. But the one thing I think that is inarguable is he burned the guys he trusted in the pen. He used them so much. And there is a chance he could be declining from, I mean, this guy's what, led the major leagues in, in games the last two years in spite of his struggles. So uh, there's always a concern that's going to wear down. I, you know, we'll see. I'm not going to say he's he's over and done with because even in his quote unquote bad year, there's the flukiness he's of still it. Pretty you good. know, I, you know, he was still pretty good. Uh, he's probably going to break Allen's record this year for saves, and mm -hmm. you know, he's 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 a very good player. I'm not going to say he's he's in a, done, a right. downward spiral at this point. Yeah, there's still time to save him. He's still young enough. That'll be one of the interest, most interesting things to watch in 2024 is votes bullpen usage and and seeing if it differs from Tito and uh, still in Carl Willis. We'll see the impact of that as well. There's still time to maybe save Class A's arm. These guys only have so many bullets, especially relievers. They do burn out fast, but we'll see if Cleveland can save him from suffering the same fate as, as Cody Allen being out of the league by 
by 30 after some really good years. We've got some really good things to talk about coming up. Uh, Trevor Steffen's weird season, the tale of two halves for the bullpen, and some fun developments on the farm in uh, minor league relief pitching that could be on the way soon. I will soon be on my way to watch the Cavs and Celtics in two months to get that uh, Kelsey brother bobblehead uh, from that my wife really wanted for Christmas. I got her those tickets for Christmas and I got them through the game time app because I was able to go on there, find the best deal. I was able to go and look at the seats before I bought them. So I knew exactly what I was getting. All the prices are up front. Um, Bought the tickets very quickly on there. And if you don't want to buy tickets that far ahead of time, maybe you want to wait until the last minute. They have deals right up to the start of the event as well, even after they start. So you can find last minute tickets and the game time guarantee. You will always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and row for less game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. So you can enjoy that game and you can still get 110% of the difference. So, this takes all the guesswork out of buying with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use our code LOCKDOWN, $20 for off your first purchase. Terms apply, but create that account, redeem our code LOCKDOWN for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Just restart, restarting the show there. Restart. No, it wasn't me. I'm, I, I was busy. Let's see if we can get the, <laughs> the purr on the mic here. No, no. Just trying to keep a cat from like stepping on. Forcing the cat to improve our ratings, Jeff. That's, yeah, that, you know, very leaning insulting. into the kitten. Yeah, here's Vanilla Bean, less than a year old. Um, new co host. Uh, cuter than both. Place. What does the new cat make of Trevor Steffen last year? Because if, you, again, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got the stats scrolling on the bottom of the screen and uh, with first half and second half. I, I'm so confused by Trevor Steffen last year because in the first half, he had an ERA of 254, right? Uh, in the second half, it was 607. But his FIP in the first half was 423. So he was outperforming himself in, for, in the first half. And in the second half, his ERA was abysmally at, at 607, but his FIP was 268. So neither half did his ERA and FIP ever come close to matching up. The strikeout rates didn't change a whole lot. The walk rate in the second half was a little higher. And the only thing you could really say is that the, the runner stranded rate went from 86.5, which is unbelievably high um, in the first half, which is probably why his ERA was so low to 52.3 in the second half, which is incredibly low, almost to the point where it's just very, very bad luck. I really don't know what to make of Trevor Steffen last year. I still think he's a good reliever in general, but that is just a very confusing set of statistics. And um, you could see that he had some control problems there in the second half, obviously, but he, you know, he'd, he'd go what three or four games where he, he'd be fine, and then he'd come out and he would walk three guys and throw a wild pitch or hit a batter and give up a home run. And it's like, I don't know, some days he just didn't have it. So, the, the reason for that FIP switch is he actually struck out batters at a higher rate in the second half, and he his home run per nine rate was almost half in the second half. It was half, it was half as much. So, he gave up half as many home runs. So he he was the better pitcher. His bat pip was incredibly high at 327. So I think there was a degree of bad luck there. I think it was in off year, and he still was worth nearly a win, uh, one win in war, which is good for a reliever. 
I, again, you look at that FIP, you look at that fielding independent ERA, for those who aren't familiar, it is considered the best indicator of future success for pitchers is looking at the previous year's FIP. And it states, you know, that he had a unlucky year, that there is some room for, for bounce back. Um, it, you know, in spite of the control issues, he went from an 8.7 walk rate to a 9.1. So it wasn't even that big in the second half. So were there some just absolutely putrid outings? Yeah, I think one of those things when I first started writing way back in like 2007, I wanted to work on my own pitching metric, which which was just like effectiveness percentage right like how many times because how many times can a reliever just their numbers get completely demolished by five bad outings like five really bad outings so just make every outing worth one point and like were they effective were they not effective just a, a simple we almost need like just a simpler metric when it comes to relievers like how many times did they go out there and, and pitch effectively versus pitch ineffectively how many times did they get their job done? And I think that could be the thing. I think when Stefan, when it went, went awry, it went very awry. And I think he is still a solid reliever. I think they're going to reduce some stress, put him in that seventh inning role um, with Barlow in town. And I'm I'm fine with him. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to rebound. I think he's going to do well. The numbers seem to point to a guy who's going to pitch better. And again, I do think that it is, you know, I'm not going to blame Rigo for everything, but having someone back there they clearly thought they needed a change and i think some of trevor stefan's one of the big reasons why even more so than class a because you know they gave him that extension they clearly believed in him they had some choices to make who they were going to go out and extend and he was the guy and yeah yeah it was really a bad july was the culprit for stefan if you look at the numbers he went from mm -hmm. You know, a really good strikeout rate to 15.9 in July and a 9.1 walk rate in July. And then the FIP was 461 in July. Everything else was, you know, about normal for Trevor Steph in the rest of the months. A little bit high in You mean months, June? July was 461 FIP. Why do I have different data on this? Is this, am I looking at his career splits? I, I, might you, have, I, yep, I, I think you're looking at different data. Um, yeah, I am. I'm looking at his career. So, so he, he didn't give him any home runs in the second half. He gave six in the first half. So his his home his home run rate in the first half was a little unlucky. In the second half, it was a little too uh, little too lucky. So it, it really I balanced out. Career in data. Weird I was like, this is also weird. Why am I seeing? Um, so yeah, his 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 strikeout rate was better in the second half. His walk rate was up nearly a run. The overall percentage was up two point one percent to fix my data. But he struck out more guys, and the home run rate. Um, yeah, like was, you said was a little too lucky in the second half. Yeah, the so one thing I learned with from Cody Allen about this about Trevor Steffen is when Cody Allen was going through his struggles, he talked about how he would pitch with a dead arm a lot of times because he was working on stuff in, in bullpens. He was throwing on the side. And for relievers, it's very hard to throw on the side because you have to be available, you know, two or yeah. three days in a row. You might get a day off. You don't want to throw Sometimes nice four days five in a row. With Tito. Yeah, yeah. So you it's hard for relievers to go out and work on stuff like they play catch, but they're not like pitchers where you can on your third day you throw a bullpen and you work on something that didn't work from your last start. Yeah. Relievers are generally just they're going out there and they're throwing and they're trying to adjust in game. They're trying to work on stuff in the game. And I think that happened to Stefan last year. You know, you just it's very hard for them to do side work and, and work on stuff in between outings. So they're going out there and they're working through on the mound. And you could tell at times Trevor Stefan was working through stuff on the mound and it, it blew up for him and it blew up for the, for the guardians overall. And his 
one last note on him. Uh, I, I mentioned the BAPIP. His BAPIP actually was 342. It was even worse. That is way unsustainable. So while he had good luck on the hard hit, he was really unlucky too. So that 342, yeah. we've talked about how 342 is like, unsu- you know, unsustainable for hitters. That's unsustainable for Same pitchers. For pitchers. As well, so. Yeah. Overall, this Guardians bullpen, just two halves last year. The first half, you know, they threw 320 innings, which is absolutely insane. Um, and that's mostly because, you know, you lost Plesak and Bieber didn't go deep sometimes. McKenzie was hurt. Savali got hurt in the first half. And then you're relying on rookies and you were trying and to. Savali, they never had go deep. They they set him yeah, up and, to be five and fly. Quantrill was hurt and he was getting knocked out of games early. So they threw a 320 innings in the first half, which is insane. They threw 266 in the second half. Uh, 309 ERA in the first half, 464 in the second. 391 FIP in the first, 416 in the second. And, you know, they were able to strand, they couldn't strand as many runners in the second half, which that can be a little bit fluky. And, you know, an unsustainable average on balls in play in the first half, 259, 332 in the second half. So it really was, I think it just had a lot of guys overworked in that first half because of yes. what happened to the pitching rotation. So if you come into 2024 with a better plan for the rotation, if you can are getting six innings a night out of Bieber, out of McKenzie, out of Bybee, out of, ideally, obviously. And, you know, development's never linear. So there's always a chance that the three rookies could take a step back and, and they could have some blips and some bad months. But if your rotation is a little more concrete than it was for Cleveland in 2023, you can maybe reduce some of that. And I, I think that's just a lot. I think a lot of it was overwork is what I'm going to say. Yeah, and it's, it's just interesting to see guys who are going to shift and change and like, can, can I throw like Nick Sandlin, for instance? So in the first half, he had a 48.8% line drive rate. So he's almost 50% of the time balls on the ground, which is what his game is. Like That mm-hmm. is what how Nick Sandlin is built to pitch. Second half, that dropped 17.5%. That's a massive switch. He had his fly ball rate got up to 53.1 after being at 37.5. Like he was clearly just a different pitcher like he got completely out of himself for whatever reason and you know you and i spent a lot of time in the first half defending sandlin and you, you talk about fit fit flips 376 to a 652 like yeah, as good as he was in the early goings of last year i mean the second half was putrid i, I mentioned eli morgan it's the the same thing this team struggled with adjustments a 341 fit to a 448 his Though his his K rate went up, but his walk rate doubled. And Eli Morgan's game since college is to be the guy who doesn't walk anyone. And all of a sudden, he had a walk per nine over four. That's not Eli Morgan's game at all. Uh, we don't, you know, ninety nine had an up and down year, and we'll I'm sure spend some more time on Barlow. But it's like all of these guys got out of what they do successfully. Like that's the interesting thing to me. It wasn't just that they were poor; it's that they went away. Nick Sandlin gets the ball on the ground. He's done that since college. Eli Morgan avoids walks. He's done that since college. What did they do in the second half? The things they've always been good at avoiding, they became terrible at avoiding. And again, coaching. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I got I got one more thing to say about the coaching comment. We'll talk about that in just a second. We'll mention some other names from the bullpen in 2023, and we'll talk about some of the prospects that are interesting from the bullpen as well. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets and guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. 
uh, I mean, it's hard to not maybe look at the the Lions. It feels like such a feel good story with all parts containing. I, I would say go check out the Lions for some things. That's that's a team that is hard to not root for right now. Uh, the app is super easy to use. There's many different ways. Look for a same game parlay. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays and more. I should go find a uh, Lions parlay. We'll have one next time I do the ad read because they're winning again. Let's just say that. Uh, so visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet an extra point. Uh, make it an easy interception off Joe Flacco like all of them were last week. Too soon. <laughs> FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Too soon. All right, we're talking about saying a little bit. The coaching thing I want to say, too, is when you make a bullpen move, and I, I know I know we can say that, you know, there was some overuse of relievers and putting guys in, into situations where they maybe are not set up to succeed, like bringing a, not bringing a reliever into a clean inning in the seventh or eighth inning or something like that. I will say at the end of the day, if a, if a reliever comes out and does his job, then it was the right move. But if a reliever struggles or he pitched well, if a reliever struggles and gets the outs or doesn't get the outs, it's on, it's on the manager. It was a, it was a horrible move. So I feel like bullpen bullpens are a lot like kickers where, you know, it's a, it's a lot of blame on, Oh, that he brought the wrong guy in at the wrong time. And the pitcher does well. It's it's the, the pitcher gets the credit for pitching. Well, but if, if, if the reliever struggles, then it's sometimes it gets pushed back on, on the manager for doing it in the wrong situation. And at the end of the day, guys got to perform too. That's all I'm going to say. I think guys, you, you want to set up your guys for success and put them in the best position to help your team win. But at the end of the day, guys do have to perform. Yeah. I, I, I would just two, two quick things to button on that. One would be, I agree with you. Like if Eli Morgan's given up home runs, that's where he's got to execute. That's always been his bugaboo. So when it's the opposite is why I'm kind of more like with that guy, I predicted the guardians would draft him in the eighth round because he avoided walks. Like that is why I projected him there along with his height and strong secondary pitches and ability to miss bats in college. But like he was, he became the opposite of what he's always been. So that is where I worry about coaching. And I think the other thing too, here is you talk about, we talk about overuse. We're kind of seeing the effects of like you and I three, four years ago would have thought Nick Mikula Jack was already in this pen and already a back end arm. Um, some of these pen arms have had injuries, have been derailed. Some of the guys we thought would be contributing by now haven't. And they've had to rely on some guys and they don't, they didn't have great starters. Let's be honest. Like there was not, you know, Heron rode the shuttle up and down and. But you always need need, need the shuttle guys. You do, but you need depth too. And there wasn't, you know, we'll we'll get into some of those guys. We hope will be the depth this year. There's like a big three, but we haven't seen kind of that next level graduation. Like who, who was the, the freshest arm in that pen? you can't be Curry because Curry was also a starter more than he was a reliever this. I mean, yeah. not more, but in terms of the season, he was asked in that role. It's been a, a vet laden group and they really haven't graduated young players to help fill in some of that. Well, sometimes your best relievers are, are failed starters. You're looking at, you know, yeah. Stefan was a failed starter. Oh, exactly. The minors, Sam Hentges is a failed starter. He proved both of us wrong. Uh, yeah. Real quickly. I'll just throw out some very quick hitters before we get to the minor league relief options. Um, Sam Henches was, was rough in the first, when he came back from the injury second half, he was great. I still think he is Cleveland's most indispensable reliever at this point. Um, Xavier Curry saved his team a lot with some, you know, uh, extended relief outings going deep as a reliever more, more times than not. And, uh, 
shout out to the the weirdness at the end of the year of adding Ronaldo Lopez, who didn't allow a run with Cleveland, and Matt Moore, who pitched here for a couple of weeks, and then Cleveland decided to move on from him, and he got to go to Miami and pitch for them, but also didn't get to pitch in the playoffs with them because of the the weird timing of of those moves. So just some very you know a couple standouts and I, I, some weird storylines from last year. Be shocked with Moore still out there if. We'll have to oh, see yeah. what happens. You know, there is a world where he comes back on a kind of a cheaper deal. Um, <coughs> I forgot he was still out there, truthfully. He's, I mean, a lot of people are still out there right now. Like, I was looking at because yeah. the Josh Hader Padres rumor, and I was looking at, and they're, they're like, all these Padres guys. I'm like, well, all of those guys are still free agents. They could bring back a lot of guys. But. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so we mentioned Tim Heron rode the I 71 shuttle, and he probably will again this year to an extent as well. Um, Cade Smith. Cleveland kind of helped him change his pitch mix last year. He kind of has more of a Trevor Steffen arsenal now where he has the riding fastball, but he also has a cutter. He has a slider, and now his, his changeup is more of a split change. So he's on the 40-man roster. I'm interested in seeing him. They obviously drafted Andrew Walters. As you have mentioned before, you do not draft a reliever in the second round without the intention of moving him fast. Um, there's Davis Sharp, who we think is, is probably coming to be a solid reliever sometime soon. And then there's Franco Alamon, who everyone wants to talk about. Here's, here's two things I want to talk about with Franco Alamon before we get out of here. We have, we're very short on time. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's okay to trade class save or something because you have Franco Alamon coming. You don't trade an all-star closer because you have a double-A reliever who had a good month or good two months. As, as impressive as Franco Alamon was, that notion is absolutely insane. One, dumb. one Franco Alamon has still not pitched on back-to-back days. He was going six or seven days without pitching last year. And Cleveland even told him, I mean, I talked to, director of uh, of player development on the record who said that they want him to work on his availability. They don't say that on the record unless they absolutely mean it. Like you're not, you're not just putting that out there to put that out there. It wasn't off the record or anything. So he's got to work on being able to pitch back to back days. He also has to work on fielding. He made a bunch of errors at the end of the year. I know people will say, ah, they're just playing service time games because he can't hold runners or he can't field. But Frank Wallman legitimately could not field his position last year. So there is that as well. Um, so before you he go was and raw and when they got him, he was, and he's, he's been a great story and he's a great kid and he's electric and it's fun to watch. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any of the accolades he got or the recognition we're giving him. I mean, I post the highlights of him all the time on Twitter, but don't rush to put this kid in the majors. There are still things to work on and you don't trade an all-star closer because he had a good second half in double a last year. That's all I'm going to say. And Andrew Walters could still beat him to the majors. Truthfully. Yes. Oh, I, he will. I'm betting uh, two, two notes for me. One Walters. I predicted you'd be the first player from that class to get to the majors. Um, I was wrong. I will. You know, uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, no, Chanel already did. So the I'm already angels wrong. Don't count. Okay. The angels. Don't uh, <laughs> but I think he'll move quickly. A lot of people I did. I was, listen, I didn't see a bunch of that slider, but people are saying he's got two plus pitches. I mean, if he's got two, then you might be able to, the question is, do you consider him a starter? Do you keep him in the pen? It's a fun debate to have. And then uh, we didn't talk about Nick Enright, but you know, a year removed from cancer, you and I were both big believers. He could be a guy that you kind of keep, you know, especially that I, the shuttle type of arm. And, and I, I think he's a major league pitcher long term. I, I still will, will put my foot in that. And I think get you know, he's someone to watch, you know? Yeah. He's going to, he's going to get some opportunities hopefully this year. Um, and Tyler Brown is a really interesting story coming back to an area, you know, sometimes coming back home when you have a lot going on in your life and there's, you can find the stories he has overcome a lot can be beneficial. You know, being closer to those who supported you in the past. So I think it's going to be an interesting year. They have 
we need some young players to step up and that's going to be kind of the story this year uh quickly before we get out of here i also want to say check out the shelby's godcast justin is on that so you want to go check out the most recent one of those and uh, anything else you want to tag it here yeah we got no. uh let's <laughs> let's make a deal coming up with uh the al central the al east and the LOS as we finish off that series and then one more positional review the outfield can't wait i refuse I, I won't be here that day for that one i'm not dealing with the comments uh, i'm kidding thank Fair you all enough. for joining us thank you to john and david two of our everydayers kurt i saw many comments uh thank you all for joining us go go guardians go <laughs>